Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I will reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, but more importantly, we're very good friends. Isn't that right, Ben? It is yes. <laughs> it is yes. It is yes. Um, it, it is, is yes. yes. I am not grammar. <laughs> it is yes so much so that Ben will let you know where you can find his latest work um, all over the internet. Right, Ben? Yeah, lots of this on the internet. Uh, very quickly, you could find my work at Motor Trend at, at well, no, no, I was going to say Car and Driver, but it's been a little while. So I'm going to go with Haggerty and Driving Line. And you can find my work at autostrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and Electric Autonomy Canada. Yeah, that's is, that's the one. That's the one. Which was a me. publication we had a great a great deal talking about last week. That's right. Um, ben, we've got some cars to talk about. Well, we've got, got stuff to talk about this week. But Sammy, before we do, yes? If you get a letter from Electric Autonomy Canada... I'm, I I have to open it. Do they legally have the right to garnish your wages? <laughs> yeah, I have. I can't forward the mail. That's true. Don't forward and it. You can't. You can't bend it. You're not supposed nope. to bend it. And you have they to plug. Love yeah. bending stuff. Eh? You have you to know? plug it in right away. Yeah. <laughs> I hate mail, man. Mail comes in. You gotta bend. They they're always bending these things that shouldn't be bent. Yeah. So I buy a lot of comic books off of Kickstarter because that's yeah. a cool thing to do. And um, I in my new country home, I have an actual mailbox that's like across the street from me. Instead of where in, when I was in the city, I had a pretty wide mailbox that was attached to the front of my building. But this one's like a freestanding mailbox. And the other day I went out and there was a comic book or a, some type of magazine that ha- was in a, a paper uh, envelope yeah. that was supposed to be reinforced. And it said, like, do not bend fragile and stuff. And it had been folded like a taco and like <laughs> slammed into this mailbox. So what I've done is I have bought a large mailbox, which okay. is I found one on Amazon that was like an open box that have been returned because who cares, right? It's a mailbox. I don't, it's fine, right. but it's, it's big. It's it. I would say it's funny because in the ad, they show people putting like Amazon packages in it. All I want is for my envelopes to not get bent, but this is, it's pretty extreme and uh, I have to install it. So I have to figure out today. I figured out how to remove my old mailbox. The old mailbox is being held on by the side screws. And this one has like a top mount, but it should be easy to do because the piece of it's, it's designed to be put on a normal mailbox mount. You don't need a super wide one. So that's my project for tomorrow. Long story short, this is now the unnamed mailbox podcast. And Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. That's fine. Yeah. So that's, that's all I'm reviewing. That's the only mailbox I'm reviewing today. I mean, it's not even a real review. I haven't used it yet. It looks nice. It's fine. It wasn't damaged. Like Amazon told me it might be. So that's nice. Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Mailbox Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me is my fellow mailbox mailbox enthusiast, Benjamin Hunting. Mailbox Autonomy Canada. <laughs> mailbox Autonomy Canada. Do you want to talk about some cars? I think we've got some cars to talk about this week. Yes. Um, especially a truck, I suppose, is the one that we're talking about. So I'm talking about a truck that is a little confusing, but also I think will appeal to a certain subset of truck fans, but is also a symptom of a certain type of overload that we're getting on the truck market right now. Okay. You got to back up and start, start talking English to me here. What are you talking about here? So it's the, um, 2023 Chevrolet Colorado, uh, specifically, specifically it's the trail boss. Now the Colorado is all new for this year, right? 
Yeah, and it's like one engine only, but multiple multiple trims for that tunes engine. for that yeah, engine. Tunes, yeah. So we talked about the Denali, the Canyon Denali, uh, back in August. I think is when I drove that truck, and it's the same platform. The Denali has the ultra high trim, sorry, the ultra high tune of the engine. It's a two point seven liter four cylinder turbo, uh, three hundred ten horsepower, four hundred thirty pound feet of Turk, Turk. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not, it's not, pound feet of Turk. Uh, no, pound feet That's of Turk. That's measurement we've been working out on the podcast. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna stick. Well, it's neither metric nor imperial. That's always a tricky wicket. But uh, in any case, so the truck that I have, it's like a medium trim of that. It has the three hundred ten horsepower, but it only has like three hundred ninety one pound feet of torque. Okay. I think next year they're getting rid of this medium trim. Because the okay. base, the base tune for the motor is like 237 horsepower and 260 pound feet. That's like way below the high trim. But this yeah. high, I guess it's called Turbo Plus. I'm not sure exactly. It's kind of like almost the same as the high trim. It's a little weird. We're um, two months away from next month. What is happening? What are yeah, you talking about? <laughs> it's. I guess what happened was Chevrolet looked Except at from next year. Yeah. What 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 Chevrolet looked at sales and they were like, yeah, you know, I guess not enough people are buying the. 390 pound feet version like it's it's really only a 50 pound foot difference uh mm-hmm. so i don't know in any case though it's standard on the trail bus and that's that's important for one reason and it's it's part of the reason why this truck's so weird and that's because the trail bus is based on the wt trim level which is the work truck version of the colorado the ultra base model that basically um, you just get the bare minimum of what you need to drive around and pick stuff up with the truck and tow stuff and just do truck things with. Like it's not yeah. intended necessarily to be a comfortable daily driver. But why it's weird is because the Trail Boss is an off-road model, which we've seen one billion conservatively of over the last five years as truck companies, so, yeah. SUV companies, they're, they're, you know, wilderness versions, all this stuff. Companies are really trying to capitalize on the perceived need for every buyer to leave the road behind at every possible opportunity. Right. Uh in any case, Chevrolet already had the Z71 package for all of its trucks and SUVs pretty much, which is, you know, different suspension. And um, I think it comes with a locking differential and it has the drive modes for the traction control and four-wheel drive system and all that stuff. And then at the top, they had the ZR2, which is available on both the Silverado and the Colorado. Mm-hmm. And that has like the DSSV shocks, which are pretty awesome. Well, they're excellent. This is honestly, the I used to be really, um, I used to really like ambivalent to pickup trucks and especially off-road trims until I drove the ZR2 um, Colorado back in like, I don't know, 20. 20- 19 or tw- yeah 2019 i would say yeah and those dssv shocks were like enlightening they were really something special um yeah. and they changed me completely i remember you uh you took a picture of you with the shock and you said this if i ever have a son i hope that he is at least half as good as what this dssv dssv shock has brought to the world that is the benchmark now that i have a son that's I, a lot I, of I pressure told, i tell him all the time yeah, get it up over the crib. The so the uh, so those are the two extreme. Those are the, that, that's normally what you could get from Colorado is these two off roads. Now there's a third off road one, but what's super weird about it is it's in between them in the sense that it has more. I don't know if I would say features, but more capability than the Z71. Not quite okay. as much as the ZR2, but it's priced less than the Z71. And there's a very specific reason for that, and it's the fact that it's the work truck. 
So like, whereas the Z71 package, which is kind of presents as a trim for the Colorado now, uh, you get stuff like heated seats and you have the nicer front end and like, a, I think like a body colored bumper. Um, the trail boss, it's all work truck inside. So it's really basic. Like you don't have automatic climate control. You uh, have a big plastic front end. You don't have seat heaters or steering wheel heaters or any of that stuff. Oh yeah. Okay. But I get you, it now. All right. Yeah. But you do have, uh, I think it's a, a three and a half inch wider track. Okay. You have wow. a two and a half inch or sorry, a two inch lift. Um, and it, it has like a monitor, sorry. Um, yes, sir. Sorry, I, I froze up there because the Silverado version of the Trail Boss comes with Rancho shocks or like monotube shocks. Yeah. But the Colorado just has a twin tube setup, but it's still beefier than what you'd find on the standard version. You can also get 32 inch tires. You can choose, well, you, you can get, you do get 32 inch tires. Standard, they're all terrain. Mud terrain is optional. Interesting. And it has so, the locking rear differential and skid plates. And if you want to go like more hardcore, you can order some stuff from the ZR2 package, like more skid plating and a bash plate for the front. And I think also rock rails. So it's like, it's kind of a base model truck for off-road fans that also gains the high-end motor. So it's it pulls from every part of the parts bin to create this truck that has an awkward spot in the Chevy showroom. No, no, I think I get it. I think this is a vehicle. I think a lot of people complain about how expensive trucks can get, especially when you want um, something a bit more adventurous or maybe lifestyle oriented. And then you're saddled with all of these uh, premium features that may not be um, super useful to the to the buyer. True, so, but, but the Z71 doesn't go nearly as far as the Trail Boss. Like the Trail Boss is a step above Z71, right? So in terms of capability, yeah, it has yeah. like the, the Z71 doesn't have that lift. It doesn't have those tires. Uh, yeah, it, to me, that's enough. Like that's that's a that's a good benefit. That's a good jump for me in terms of off road capability. But you're not you're spending less than a Z71. You said yeah, like marginally yeah. less. I think it's like a grand or two grand. Let me double check on that. Oh, if it's that little, that's a hard okay decision to make so the z71 is 41400 mm-hmm. and the trail boss is 38.5 okay so like three grand three not grand. including like uh i don't know yeah three and grand you, and, and the other things that are missing too there's some stuff like i think the z71 comes with an, a power outlet in the in the cargo bed uh you don't get that in the trail boss the trail boss that i had didn't even have a bed liner which is unusual for a modern truck and it gets different wheels like the, the z71 has like 18 inches with all-terrain 18-inch tires. It doesn't have the big 32-inch wheels. Mm-hmm. And the Z71 also has LED headlights. So, um, Interesting. I yeah. would prefer the headlights, in, especially in trails, now that it's like winter or, or like it becomes nighttime at like 4 o'clock here. Yeah, so. and, and where I live now, I have to watch out for deer all the time. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I don't drive my Grand Wagoneer at night anymore because I have really bad headlights. And it's not a good idea to be out here with bad headlights. You really do yeah. need to be able to see not just what's in front of you, but what's in the ditch. Yep. Uh, so that's the next on the upgrade list for the Jeep. I've got uh, some LED headlights that look stock, um, but I also have to fix the the bright switch because, like, right now my brights are always on okay. in the Jeep, but that's it has like, good. well, it has like the world's worst like H1 headlights or whatever they are. Like, oh, the stupid. So does, like, no, but everyone just thinks you. You're barely like yeah. No one knows the their high beams. <laughs> <laughs> but the crappy Come thing on, is, really? the crappy thing is, I can't turn on my fog lights and like turn them towards the side of the road because when you have your high beams on, it deactivates the high the uh, fog light circuit. The other thing is too. The second other thing, 
in my Jeep, I'm pretty sure the fog light power runs entirely through the fog light switch. Like, oh, there's no God. relay. Okay. Yeah. So, like, when you touch the switch and they've been on for a while, it's really hot. Jesus. <laughs> it feels okay. Super dangerous. And I wouldn't. I. I wouldn't. It feels dangerous. It might be Ben. <laughs> and and Jeep's historically really bad with the Grand Wagoneer in terms of like electrical danger because. Right. On the older model than mine, I think they stopped doing it in 84 or 85. Instead of having like, <laughs> instead of having. You're already laughing at how ridiculous this is. Instead of having a voltmeter on the dash, they had an amp meter, <laughs> which meant they ran full power from the power system through the gauge in the dash. Yeah. And and that meant that it got super hot and burned up a whole bunch of Jeeps. They would catch fire no. because over time, the wiring would get brittle, but it still had all this current running through it. It's not, you know, because it's measuring yeah. amperage, amperage, not voltage. Anyway, bit okay. of a digression there. That's fine. I mean, it's a good it's a good indication that uh, don't you trust need Jeep electronics. <laughs> you need good headlights out where you are. Um, and you don't have them. You know what? You know what good headlights are. I do. Um, it's just super dark out here. Like I'm looking at my window right now. It's what? you don't see anything. It's like somebody put a blank. We're recording a black this at like five thirty p.m. Yeah, might as well be in deep space right now. Like might as well have been sh- shoved out the airlock to record my podcast somewhere where there's. I'm sure even in deep space there's starlight. You know? We tried to do that once. We tried to. Do, it turns out it's very expensive to record. I know, space. and hard to make a reservation on one of those rockets. I mean, it's they're booked for I don't know six seven years. And the upload speeds for the episodes would just be horrendous. Yeah, you well, what they offered us was a, like a smaller rocket that yeah. you shove out the smaller airlock, and then that it it knows its way back to the Earth, and yes. it, it plugs itself into like an Ethernet connection. <laughs> Yeah, just any random. It's like a virus. It just goes to any random Ethernet. Yeah, and it's it, it every, suddenly everyone in the world is listening to our podcast, regardless of what they wanted to listen to. We thought that was a bit much. It was also horrendously expensive. It was a bit more. I mean, this is why the Ko-Fi is on, right? Like we needed the, to pay for this. Yeah, and it just didn't happen. So no, no. spacecast, I guess. Uh, but back one to, of these days, back to Earthcast specifically, Offroadcast Trail Boss. So. I have mixed feelings about the trail boss because I don't have a problem with a bare bones ish truck. Yeah, um, me neither. I think a, pa- a paired back model with off road equipment is a decent. Uh, there's a, there's an audience for that. I yes. think that's fine. So there should is, be an audience for it. I don't know if there is. But. It's about forty five hundred dollars more than a four wheel drive work truck, and you get the bigger engine with that. So that you know that's not a huge step up if off roading stuff is important to you. And forty five hundred dollars isn't. Um, isn't a lot. I mean, you can probably. I mean, you can probably put a lift and some tires on a work truck for forty five hundred. Yeah, right? you could. You keep. I mean, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, just yeah. about. It depends how much your labor costs. I think at that point, I think that's what you're looking at. Uh, the the other thing to consider is that this truck is like ten thousand dollars less than a ZR two, and that is a sizable difference. Yes. So uh, this is like a mini, would you call this a mini ZRT more than the... Than no, no, no. The, I don't no. think it's a mini ZR2. I think this is more equivalent to something like what TRD Offroad mm. Pro is maybe. I don't TRD know. Off, I think there's TRD Offroad and TRD Pro. I don't TRD know if there's Pro. Offroad Pro. It's tough. There's so many. They don't really line up anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I'd say Trail Boss is, let's, let's forget the Toyota comparison. I'd say it's more okay. like Tremor. Yeah, you know go how, on. I've forgotten entirely what Tremor means. So you know how Ford has for the Ranger, Ranger which is about Ranger. to be updated for next year, but they have FX4, which is the equivalent of Z71. I can't believe we're having this conversation. Is it? 
I thought FX4 was like practically work truck. No, no, FX4 is the off-road package yep. for Ford. Uh, and Z71 is the off-road package for Chevrolet. But then the special off-road package for Ford is Tremor. Yep. So the special off-road package for Chevrolet is Trail Boss. And then the super special package for Ford is Raptor, Raptor or Chevrolet yep. ZR2. So that's, that's okay, how fine. it yeah, that makes That makes a bit more sense. Yeah. So, um, but I do think, I get it. Sorry. It's, um, it's just a very unique, you have to offer something your competitor is offering at the same price point that your competitor Unless is offering. Unless you're Toyota, it. in which case you just offer what you've always been offering for like a dozen <laughs> years. For like, yes. Um, I mean, we don't see Nissan coming in here with the Frontier in some in some love in some trim level. Yeah, are we? Pro Four X, right? Oh, yes, which is kind of like a mix between Tremor and FX Four, I would say. But the <laughs> thing, the, it's good that you brought up the Frontier because the other thing about the Colorado, it's bigger inside than pretty much any other midsize truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, do we really want midsize trucks to keep getting bigger? I'm not sure, but it's it's more modern. It feels quite modern. Um, it's definitely the powertrain is really good. It's way yep. better than the Frontier, for sure. So you 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 don't miss the six cylinder or the way back there used to be a five cylinder version of the truck. I haven't it? driven a five cylinder in a billion years. <laughs> uh, but the there's also a V8. They put the five three in it for a while too. It was the same engine I think wow. that they had in the um, the Hummer H3 Alpha. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. But but you don't miss that V6, right? The V6 was fine, but I don't think anyone driving this truck in the high trim or say the high tune turbo will miss it. The only thing that's weird about the turbo engine is it doesn't sound great. It can sound like really vacuumy at times. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of intake noise or turbo noise or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and that's that's kind of annoying sometimes, but it's quick. It, it accelerates quite well. Fuel mileage is fine. I think I got like 24 miles per gallon on the highway. Let me double check that. Sorry, 22 on the highway and 18 in mixed driving. Okay. Uh, the that's the, okay. That's tr- not brilliant. No, it's a, again eight speed automatic, which is a decent transmission. It doesn't okay. have the ten speed in the, the. I think that's standard in the full size now. Uh, if I if I'm not mistaken, is this the car you had some weird uh, infotainment issues with, or is that oh, the next? Oh, thank car? you for reminding me. No, it was this. So the the Colorado now has like an eleven point four, eleven point three inch infotainment screen as standard equipment. So even if you do do get the work truck, which is what the Trail Boss is in terms of features, you still get this pretty nice uh, gauge cluster screen and an, and a large infotainment screen. The problem is they've moved over to this Google based um, operating system. And when I first got in the truck, it wouldn't let me pair my phone like at all. There were other phones that were paired, so I thought, okay, maybe I'll delete them. And I did that, but what happened was the pairing button on the screen just stayed grayed out. So I went on the forums, and this is a common problem for the Colorado. And people were like, well, you can try resetting the infotainment system. So I did that. didn't help. And then they're like, put the infotainment system in safe mode. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Oh, you know, just hold uh, uh, F5 while rebooting the Yeah, while I'm turning the ignition on and off. It's, It's like, so I did that. And it came up in safe mode and it allowed me to boot my phone, to, to pair my phone. But then like every time you start in safe mode, it has, you have to repair your phone because <laughs> it's like, oh I God. guess okay. that's part of what safe mode is. So I had to take it out of safe mode, which was a whole other process and then try to repair again in normal mode. And then it worked. This is like 20 minutes of me in the parking lot trying to figure out how to make this work. It, it didn't, I didn't have any problems in the future. And I picked up another Chevy with an older infotainment system right after that had no issues at all. But 
I'm sorry. It's unacceptable to expect an owner to do that. Like, I'm a computer person from way back. Not quite mm. as much as Sammy because I've let my skills atrophy. But that's why I was able to Not go... Not lately. You've really run into youth lately. That's... that's uh, Yeah, because of all these Colorados I'm driving. Uh, <laughs> but... Like the fact that I know about computers to a degree allows me to go through that process and puzzle it out. If I was just someone who bought a truck and didn't have a previous career in information technology, I would be super frustrated. Absolutely. Um, you think this is the like? What would the normal person have? What would would somebody have? Does like I'm trying to think of what the average buyer would have done. Would they, they have the just called the dealer and the dealer would have said, "Okay, well we've got." A full service bay today, so yeah, they go come to the, back tomorrow. They go like, right to the dealer. Like based on the forum posts that I read, people go to the dealer, they get reflashes, they get the safe mode done. It's not something that they're that everyone is doing themselves. Only some people. Interesting. So that that sucks. I mean, anyway, it was my it least, didn't, but it stayed it stayed reliable for the rest of the the test, right? Yeah, it only happened that one time. Okay. On initial on initial. Huh. Use. Infotainment systems. Every week we've got a t- we've got a discussion about infotainment systems. Yeah. When well, are I they going to be not bad? <laughs> I don't know. We don't deserve it. <laughs> when did when did that happen? So uh, some final thoughts on the trail boss. Uh, I used it to haul junk from my condo to the house. Um, I couldn't put everything. Why are you taking junk to your new house? Because junk just follows you around and you can't resist it. Keep your junk in, in the junk place. And, well, that, more about that next week. But <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't able to take everything I wanted because I ran out of room in the bed. And that's because, dun, 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 no more long beds with the Colorado. It's one bed only. Right. It's like five feet two or something, five feet three. So it has like a weird built-in plastic bed extender in the tailgate that I could see snapping off like almost immediately if it was hit with a substantial weight. It's kind of like a little like a diving plane that flips up from the tailgate. Uh, I wasn't super confident. I did use it at one point when I was hauling a trash bag with the tailgate open. But other than that, like it's, you can also store stuff in there, I think. And I think there's, you might be able to get an accessorized speaker system that goes in there. My truck didn't have it because it's very basic, but Mm -hmm. anyway, um, and the ride on the truck it's over rough roads. You do notice the off-road suspension. You do notice the fact that this is something that's you know stronger than normal. Uh, it's bouncy. There's yeah, a co- sometimes off-road suspension can feel totally different um, on the on the street. Sometimes it can be very um, stiff, and other times it can be very like bouncy, like wavy. I think is the yeah. Right so like there are some it. stretches of road that I know kind of punish suspension a little bit at, at, at higher speeds. And when I hit those, like the truck was really not all over the place, but definitely jostling you inside. So that's going to be a difference over, I think, Z71 and the base model truck and definitely DSSV, which doesn't have that problem on the road. So, you know, you're you're, it's not a very expensive truck. I mean, forty thousand dollars in the truck world these days is somehow reasonable, but uh, (laughs) for a small truck. Yeah, I, I I think the Colorado is a compelling package overall. It's way more modern than the Ranger or the Tacoma in most ways. And again, that, that will end next year when both of those trucks have their 2024 models debut. But as of now, I mean, I guess it's been about a year or so or like eight months. The Colorado's had a lead on them and mm-hmm. uh, it's put it to good use. I mean, this is this is a the truck does feel like an improvement over the previous edition. And I think it's... 
you know, if you really want to go off-roading and you don't want to put the, if you don't want to be installing parts willy-nilly yourself or you don't want to have to puzzle together a good suspension setup, then the Trail Boss is probably going to be um, a decent choice for you. I did some very light off-roading. There's like a, an area I can go where there's a lot of sand and stuff and mud. And I had no problems doing what I needed to do in there. I, I really think normal four-wheel drive would have been okay. Or sorry, a normal four-wheel drive truck would have also been fine. I didn't have a lot yeah. of... There wasn't a lot of clearance demands for that. But uh, the truck did what it was supposed to do. So uh, overall, like I'm positive on the truck. I do think the pricing is a bit weird. I do think having the super stripped-down interior is a bit unexpected. Uh, other than that, um, I think it's a good step forward for, for Chevrolet. Okay. Do you see this truck like um replacing uh z71 or some some other package like no uh, i don't think so because i mean it's going to sit alongside these two other off-road oriented models yeah for sure so now they've got this trifecta of like off-road offerings one is affordable one is kind of well equipped and then one is this um really advanced go anywhere kind of model right yes and you don't need any more than that right unless you you want like a super fast one like a yeah, raptor. well, that's the thing. <laughs> they don't offer a Raptor equivalent for the uh, Colorado. No. And, and the, even the Silverado, I mean, it still has the 6.2, which is not really Raptor appropriate either. Come on, that's a great motor. It's that's a, a great, great motor. engine. It's a great motor, but it's not designed for uh, outright speed, right? Like, it's it's not any different than the 6.2 you would get in another version of the Silverado. So they haven't built that kind of, like, 500 horsepower ZR2 yet. I don't know. We haven't done the discussion about uh, about favorite motors on our podcast yet. No. I think that was something you pitched to me a while Too back. Too controversial. I just, and I kept saying the Flintstones uh, <laughs> vehicle. Yeah, but that's, that's a, my we, favorite. And then we, we had the conversation about Pedal how that's a, that's a form of locomotion, not a motor. And then we said, this is not Star Car Face Off. And then... Then he started crying and I said, no, it's okay. <laughs> Star Car Face Off was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um... But uh, that is a great engine. I think that um, we're going to miss it. We're really going to miss that motor when it's gone, really, for sure. Um, and I and I would have loved to see that in a in a small truck like this. That would have been crazy, right? A 6.2 in the Colorado? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, crazy is one word for it. What's interesting, though, is the... But wait a minute. Isn't this, isn't this engine the same one that's in the Cadillac CT4? I don't know. It's it's the same one that's in the Silverado, I think. Okay. But what's interesting is I think that this motor in the in the high tune has more horsepower. Sorry, more torque than the 5.3 V8 that's in the oh, Silverado. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that the Silverado has something like 40 more horsepower or 30 more horsepower. But how much Turks, Turks does it have? Turks? Turks is... Yeah. It, they're unwilling to release Turk data. That's a shame. Or twerk Tur- data. <laughs> Or Kirk data. Um, would you, what's the tow rating on this thing? Can you tow no with this? Isn't that one of no the? Idea. Isn't that one of the the disadvantages of an off road oriented vehicle? Sometimes the tow rating is impacted due to the the weight the and the ride setup? height of the vehicle. I mean, yeah. yeah, I guess in some cases I don't. I didn't do any towing with this one, so I and don't. you don't care. So take that, listener. I'm assuming it's at least five thousand pounds, and probably between five thousand and seven thousand. That would be my guess. Okay, but that's a good question. Thanks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so moving on, <laughs> moving on from the canyon. Sorry, Colorado. You don't even know what car you're talking about. <laughs> there were some other vehicles that you wanted to talk about this week because um, even though we're still here in Canada, out in Los Angeles, they did an auto show yesterday. The media yeah, I think day. So yeah. 
And this week, so there was an auto show. We just want to, a quick note, auto shows are really, really different than how they were about four years ago in the sense that fewer and fewer car companies are attending, which means there are less product debuts on the show floor than there used to be. And further to that, the some of the debuts that do happen are occurring at like events that are associated with the auto show, but aren't occurring at the auto show's premises. Like this week, Toyota premiered, or I guess didn't premiere, but they had their first drive of the Tacoma, the 2024, Mm -hmm. but they didn't do that at the auto show itself. It was like an offsite event. So all this to say, not a lot's going on at auto shows for journalists these days. It's mostly designed for consumers. And I think that's how it should be. It should be a place where people who are looking at buying a car or truck can go and see all their different options in one place instead of having to drive from one dealership to another. So I appreciate that. But what it does mean for us is there's a little less news to cover than there normally would be. Sammy, what did you want to talk about at the auto show? There's a couple of cars that I think are worth talking about. You mentioned Toyota. They they tied their auto show program with their Tacoma Drive. But that's also because they decided to debut two new vehicles at the auto show. Two new vehicles. One, yeah, one is called the um, one is called the Toyota Camry. We know all about the Camry, but they changed. Tell me, changed a f- tell me yeah. what's new. Tell me what's new. Uh, the V6 is gone. What? Yeah, there's no V6 anymore. You get a hybrid powertrain with 225 horsepower for front-wheel drive models, and you can get get a hybrid all-wheel drive version for that has uh, 232 horsepower. Wait, so two, as, did you say 225 and 232? Yeah, that's it. So the all-wheel drive system, I guess they're just adding power because there's an extra electric motor yeah, for the I rear think axle? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So and I don't even know if there's a non-hybrid version. Yeah. No, no I, don't I don't think, think there, there is. is a, there, this is hybrid only. Okay, Sammy, tell me at least that this is a version of the hybrid max that we we talked about last week with the crown. Obviously not with just 225 horsepower okay. or 232 horsepower. It hurts my heart. <laughs> <laughs> that the Camry, because we talked about it last week, that, oh, wouldn't it be cool if the Camry got this powertrain? And then yeah. one week later, our hopes are dashed, right? <laughs> that's that's too bad. What is it? Does it look like a Camry? What's it look like? It looks ridiculous. In my opinion, it looks like they took the Prius uh, front end and put it on the uh, on the current, the outgoing generation's Camry. But I thought you body. liked the way the new Prius looked. I thought everyone liked it. This looks a little like awkward. I don't think this looks great. I have to see it in person, maybe. And I, I'm sure that they will come out with a TRD model with the Hybrid Max. They've got to, or a, a top trim model. I don't know, Platinum. So what else? Um, did, what else did Toyota bring out? But then Toyota also brought in uh, a new Crown called Wait, the Crown, the Crown Signia <laughs> okay. SUV. So. After all of our talk last week about the crown and how it looks like an SUV but isn't an SUV, they decided to make Just fools bring of SUV. us <laughs> by being like, oh, well, wait, wait, what about the crown insignia? So, okay, my first thoughts about this. So it's an actual SUV, right? Like it has a longer roof and a hatch? Yeah, this is a real, this is a real vehicle. Two this, rows? As far as I understand, it runs on the same platform as the crown. Okay. It is a two-row SUV, and again, again, unfortunately, um, does not use one of the Hybrid Max powertrains. Instead, has a 243 horsepower um, um, powertrain, all-wheel drive powertrain. But apparently, the all-wheel drive, which is standard, can split uh, the power from 100% to the front wheels and can send power up to 80% to the rear wheels. Yeah, but it's still like 100% of 232 horsepower. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two forty three now. Yes, so which is a shame. I you, I agree with you again. This hybrid max powertrain, which is a turbocharged motor combined with a with a hybrid powertrain, it's not the the 
the setup. And more than that, it's smooth, which is the problem. And it's good. With and it's other. got a good – and it doesn't use a, a CVT, I think, right? No, it's a, it was a six-speed manual, a six-speed automatic, which is probably why it's not available in these vehicles. Mm. So I have a couple thoughts on this so-called Signia. The first <laughs> is I'm assuming this replaces Venza. I am also assuming this will replace a Venza. I think the Venza will eventually die um, uh, uh, like, without any fanfare. I, I don't think, think that's anyone good. will talk about it. No, I mean, Venza is a car with no identity. It's it's not a RAV4, which is, I guess, <laughs> the only it. thing you can say about it. But uh, it is a RAV4 underneath it all. Yeah, but what's too bad is the Venza used to have an identity. It used to kind of mm-hmm. be like the crossover version of the Camry many years ago. The Camry ago. wagon. Yeah, and, and, and then they decided to walk away from that. And they're like, what if RAV4, but slightly different looking? Um, but my second thought is this essentially, I think it kills their hopes for the regular, the regular crown. Well, I mean, now people, you're, you said to me off pod, you're like, people are going to walk into a, into a Toyota dealer, see this crown and be like, wow, this is kind of cool. It's almost like an SUV. And then before they're finished that sentence, we'll find it's a crown SUV. <laughs> oh, wait. Like, oh, wait, there's an SUV. I'll yeah, and then they're just going to go over to that. And they're not going to find out that the crown, the other crown is like faster and like quieter. It doesn't, and have, a, doesn't have a hatchback. Yeah, it just fools <laughs> them into thinking it's an SUV. And, and now that now that it does have an SUV, it, it's like, it seems like it's doomed the crown to become the Avalon. It's it's now, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of strange looking sedan that in a world where people don't buy sedans and and you can maybe trick them in the showroom if there's no other vehicle that's like it there but Mm -hmm. if with the second crown suv there people are just going to go to that instead and uh, anyway it's it's weird strategy this is a good looking truck to me or suv to me i especially find the interior to be attractive um I don't know how much it'll cost. That's my biggest, uh, this is the biggest falling or failing I've brought to the podcast this week. Um, And then second of all, I just love the discussion that, you know, it's been, let's say five or six years since Scion died. And Toyota's like, but what if we made a new brand of vehicle um, called the Crown? That won't confuse people at all. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I mean, we talked last week about how they tried to make a Prius family once, and now they're trying to make a yeah. Crown family, and it's just... And a Cor- now they're a Corolla, Corolla Cross, Corolla Hatchback. I don't know. Maybe Corolla's the other one, too. Corolla Cross. Yeah. I mean, Corolla Cross Plus. We haven't <laughs> seen that. Three-row Corolla Cross. I don't know. This is a shame. I I, I think it's a great-looking vehicle, but I don't know if this is the right... If, if it had another name, would you, be, would you be more on board with that? I don't think so because then it just gets stranger no but it, they need a real mid-size crossover because i think the venza was actually underwhelming in terms of interior I space think everything about it was underwhelming <laughs> okay it was honestly like a vehicle that just washes through you like like imagine you're like in the ocean and it's like a medium temperature wave just goes by you and you're talking to someone and you're just standing there and maybe you're maybe you like Maybe it's on vacation and uh, you're having a good conversation. There's a wave going by and you just don't even notice the wave because everything else about the conversation is so engrossing. That's the Venza. The Venza is that wave. It's a wave. But besides, besides the Venza, the only other I would call midsize in quotations SUV they had was a Forerunner. Yeah, but the Forerunner is like something. And it's not very practical. It's an off-road oriented uh, or rugged. It's entirely its own thing. Yeah. So we've got this we've got this gap that I think we're missing in the um in the Toyota lineup. Yeah, and where... instead of doing like what what Honda did where they had the passport and the 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 pilot, mm-hmm. instead like Honda just made the Highlander bigger 
<laughs> I guess they Toyota made of, the Highlander bigger. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Grand Toyota Highlander. made the Highlander bigger. I think maybe Toyota thinks the Highlander is the midsize now. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe they think they have a midsize with three rows. Like that's their thing now. Yeah. There's like ah, uh, whatever. Things okay. get really confusing when you're just filling white space with similar blobs of of SUV. Okay. Um, something uh, equally boring is the new Forester 2025 Subaru Forester. Um, if you've ever seen something, um. I don't even know how to describe this. This is not a pretty looking vehicle. Consistently, Subaru might not have a design department. We used to joke that <laughs> that BMW doesn't know how to design cars. No, I, I take it back. Subaru might struggle. Here. I don't think it's ugly. I just think it looks very similar to everything that's come before. It looks like an ex- the front end looks like an Explorer. The rear end looks like an outgoing Outlander. And then the inside just looks like a traditional Subaru. So... There you go. And nothing they, mechanically has changed, right? Like it's I don't think so. Yeah. Not at all. It's very similar. It's it's what you expect. And you know, that's fine. I mean, some people that's that's what they want. And and I think Subaru really sells to a captive audience of repeat buyers. Uh but I do I do hear what you're saying. There is some anonymity going on here. Uh even the wilderness is a little bit, you know, anonymous. There hasn't actually been a wilderness model announced yet. No, but there's photos of it. Oh. There's Ooh. a photo of a very wilderness-looking blue and body-clad plastic forester. <laughs> yeah. You see it? Well, I love that they should they should do that, right? Like every it's a it's two tone guys, and the the second tone is always going always to be black. It's going to be faded plastic <laughs> in year five of ownership <laughs> with like these pinstripe like stripes because you you got close to to a pine tree. But it's like you said uh, that like you know we talked about how maybe they're protecting Outback from. Forester mm-hmm. by limiting the drivetrains and kind of you know if you want the turbo you have to get the outback and it still seems to be the case with the Forester it's, and they're yeah I don't know I don't know how the Forester will will make make, make new friends that's what I'm saying is yeah. I think it, it'll it'll be a favorite for people who already knew what the Forester was or he owned a Forester um, and that's it um, there's another new car that I thought you would love it's the uh, Genesis. GV80 and GV80 Coupe. Why would I love this? Why would I love a Coupe version <laughs> of an SUV? I don't know. When I saw these photos, I, I was telling Sammy before, <laughs> I saw the photo of the GV80 Coupe and I'm like, oh, that looks kind of good. And then I saw, I was, it looks exactly like the old GV80. And then I saw a photo of the new GV80 and I'm like, wow, they look nothing alike. Like, what did I think the GV80 looked like before? <laughs> Legitimately, one of my favorite luxury SUVs out there, but I, I, I'm not into the coupe idea. I don't need that in my life. It's, you know, I'm I'm okay. In, I'm okay with this development because the GV80 is a three-row SUV. The coupe model is not. So th- to me, I start to see this kind of like X5, X6 kind of thing. He's just um, like Highlander, Grand Highlander, Mini yes. Highlander, <laughs> Highlander Junior. But I think that, it, assuming that the pricing, I don't think the pricing has been announced for these cars yet, and um, assuming that the pricing of the new coupe is a little bit less than the than the three-row model. Of course it won't be. It's going to be You more. think it won't be? I think it's going to be, they're going to charge you more for fashion. They're charging you more for less interior space. Like, that's that's painful, yeah. right? Yeah. Most people want to pay more for more, not more for less. It's, it's. I don't know. Conspiracy. Maybe somebody, we gotta go talk to the marketing department. It's a conspiracy marketing. by Big Small. They want you to pay more for less. That's just how it is. <laughs> That's a good one. We need to put that on a on a uh, 
on a t-shirt. It's a conspiracy by, by Big Small. Yeah. Um, there's another car that I want to talk about is the Lucid Gravity SUV. What? I'm not sure if our... I don't know if our listeners are super on uh, knowledgeable about Lucid. Lucid is a electric automaker. Um, they sell quarter they make million dollar cars, the, right? Yeah, they make something called the Lucid Air, which is one of the highest range EVs on the market today. And is, I think, like verifiably that that range is is capable like, like 440 miles something like that which is very good um but the issue of course is accessibility this is a very expensive um sedan and um but at least it's cool it's fast and all that jazz now they've decided to make a new model called the s the gravity suv will also get the 440 ev miles and apparently will be around eighty thousand dollars so it's going to be we're going to find out um, if $80,000 gets you the 440 miles, I doubt it. Well, what's interesting is, so the, the sedan ha- had a dream edition yes. and it had like 1111 horsepower and 520 yes. miles of range. So That's it's wicked. the same, dr- <laughs> the same drivetrain is going into the, the SUV, but it's only 440 miles for the SUV. And okay, it's a well, second slower to 60, three and a half seconds. Oh, no. This is a three-row SUV from what I understand. I, there's a picture of it towing a an Airstream trailer, which I think is interesting. Because towing is like... There's a picture like, of people hanging out in the front like it's a, like it's a tailgate. Well, people, I mean, towing is not something that EVs do well. So it's interesting to me that a company is highlighting that that, that is possible. That's true. That's a, that's a good point. I'm eager to see... The, I'm eager to see a more... I mean, this isn't a mainstream offering it's still about 80 grand which is a lot of money and, 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 but and like, it's more mainstream than the old than the air was right who knows how many 80 grand versions actually exist and how many That's of them true. are going to be ultra expensive super crazy like neon dream versions whatever they decide to call it but it is worth pointing out that people have found from what i understand there are fewer unsatisfied owners of Lucids than there are Teslas. I don't know if you've if you've heard the same thing. It's a much smaller ownership base, but what I like That's about true. what I find funny about Lucid is like they they decide to name their products kind of like you're in the showroom of Gran Turismo in like the early 2000s. Like they have the Dream Edition and then they yeah. have the zero gravity air suspension. You know, Love it's it. like they're trying to snag your attention with everything possible. It's not it's not just air suspension. It's, it's zero gravity air suspension. <laughs> It's not just Frunk. It's the Frunk-tastic Frunk-master flex. <laughs> the Frunk-master flex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then, I don't know. I don't think there's anything else we really need to talk about. There's a Hyundai Ioniq 5N that simulates um, an ice car. It has 641 horsepower, which I guess sounds like a lot. I don't it, think it, it is. It is a lot. But 641 is not a lot of horsepower to you? In the EV world, I think we've got EVs with more than that. Okay. Right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> and then I think it has like a transmission. It has uh, like a, a mimicking transmission feel. Eight, Hyundai will make it feel like it has an eight-speed dual-clutch automatic through an N E shift function that controls motor torque to simulate the jolt between shifts. I do like so, the idea of an N E shift. <laughs> N E shift. Um, so you've got all this massive amounts of torque um, and horsepower. It's actually really. Um, Satisfying to put an e- a high-power EV with your foot to the ground and just feel it take off like a freight train. It really does feel like that. It's insane. It feels like a plane, like you're just going to take off. 
But they think that people enthusiasts will really like that jolt between shifts, that like hesitation. I think what they're trying to create is a way for the driver to have a dialogue with the vehicle to actually interact with the driving experience, which is harder and harder to do with electric vehicles because, or at least with the drivetrain. Um, that's what I think yeah. this is all about. It's creating an interface between the drivetrain and the driver. We're struggling. The people are struggling with this. So, so it's, it, is it noise that creates the connection? Um, cause we got, we can hire like people like Hans Zimmer or maybe we'll get like, I don't, I don't know. Kid I'm talking about there. the actual driving experience itself. And then you can get the, you can get these jolts, this hesitation. I don't think that's it, man. It's control, you know, or the illusion of control. Oh, that's not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm on, not defending I'm not on board it. I just that. think that that's where this philosophy is coming from. Okay, fine. But I'm just saying I'm not on board with it. I think this has a drift mode. I think that's how you, you create driver engagement not everyone wants to drift all the time sammy <laughs> i think they should um anyways i think that's all i really want to talk about this year's la auto show did you find anything um anything else that you want to talk about this week no i think that's no it. That's so it. for next week uh if people wanted to get in touch with us and ask no us- wait i do want to talk about one thing we were joking about this before we started the podcast there's this interview this with the good. With the Volvo CEO. Oh, I don't even know if I want to get into this. His name is Jim Rowan. This is on The Verge. It came out a few days ago. Um, the headline is, Jim Rowan thinks dropping Apple CarPlay is a mistake. So what we thought... Gee, of, really? Like The weird thing about this interview is he's running a car company that doesn't even let you use Android Auto, I don't think. No. On and, and instead, it forces you to use the Android Automotive OS, which we've complained about numerous times on the system mm-hmm. uh he, he says that he doesn't think that um infotainment systems will ever be able to compete with handsets okay but uh, he's not letting you use your handset <laughs> on in the cars of the company that he makes or sorry the, the cars that are made by his company mm-hmm. the other thing that sammy and i discovered is that this guy used to work he was the ceo at blackberry which for uh those of us who are in, interested in the history of um, information technology or even you know mobile devices famously not known for their uh their their um user interfaces yeah and he they're al- keeping up with the times he is also the ceo of a company called ember which we discovered is a company that made a mug that cost 250 dollars because it came with an app that allowed you to control its temperature and as sammy discovered sammy is this the worst rated app on the google play store you've ever seen in your life this is the worst rated app i've ever seen 1.3 stars and a million people telling him that um i lose connection to my mug all the <laughs> time it maintains a temperature of 57 or 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 135 um and therefore is not functioning the way it's supposed to i just want to say that (laughs) if i'm holding a mug in my hand it's already in my hand i should be able to control the temperature just using the mug i shouldn't have to or even be offered the opportunity to use an app to control the temperature of my mug at any point like it doesn't make sense for me to put down my mug pick up a phone change the temperature and pick my my mug up again that's all i want to say about this there's a lot of people complaining about the the or inquiring why the mug needs location permission Oof. Uh, for the app, which I think is just funny. I think Ember needs to know where all of their mugs are at all times. So and I w- they're just sharing all your tea and coffee drinking data with other people. The reason I think we're bringing all this up, it's not just necessarily to mock this person, Jim Rowan. Uh, he's only been at Volvo since 2022. Mm-hmm. And he comes from consumer electronics, obviously. 
Yep. This is something people need to consider when you're when someone like we saw this. We're reading an interview where this person is talking a lot of things about the auto industry. Realistically, what does this person know about the auto industry? They're a business person. They're they come from a different type of business. Perhaps they're good at running a company. That's great. But when and consumer they, tech, right? Like which? Yeah. But when you prognosticate on a totally different industry, and you're you're talking about how things should be or how things will be, it's really hard to take that seriously. And I think that you know. A lot of car companies are very good at making sure that the people near the top, at least, have been promoted internally or come from other car companies and have a background in what they're talking about. Or at the very least, if they have a CEO who comes from a different company, they don't let that person demonstrate that fact in public. Yeah, uh, I yeah. think back to the 90s when Apple was was looking for a new CEO mm-hmm. and uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. I want to say Scully or Sully. Anyway, the, uh, they brought in someone who had been at Pepsi, I believe, one of oh, the yeah. soft drink companies. And the, their thinking was this person you know, knows how to run a business and Apple needs someone who knows how to run a business at this point. So they're going to be able to help us out. But it turned out not to be a great move. Mm-hmm. And there were numerous instances during that decade or, or during the time where this person was in charge, where they demonstrated a fundamental misunderstanding of the industry they were working in and how it was different than previous businesses they had run. And uh, it's it's funny because they lured him over to the company by saying, "Do you want to change? Do you want to sell sugar water the rest of your life, or do you want to change the world?" You know, and like right. you put something like that to somebody who's moving from an industry that maybe doesn't have a big social impact, and obviously it's going to speak to them and, and pull them over to to your side. Right. But this. If you're a car company, maybe have your car people talk to the press about what car stuff is going to be like. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's all I'm saying. It's, anyway. Well, it looks like he's trying to – like I don't understand the concept. I mean I understand a good interview is trying to get some 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 theories as to what his approach to their company is like. And we've discussed their infotainment system can be a bit uh, of a mess. Is one of our pain points consistently with – Evolve our products, which is a shame because we typically like the way they are um, designed, interior and exterior. We like the way they drive. They're pretty strong in in terms of um, powertrain, fuel efficiency and ride quality. But the in-car technology has consistently been um, a hurdle for for us to overcome and recommend these vehicles. So I think the concern when we when we have an interview with the CEO and he has an opportunity to address the decisions that they've made with their in-car technology. And he just says the obvious, what we've all been thinking, which is smartphone projection systems are great. Then why aren't we getting them? There's a super weird section of this interview that I just found where he's talking about insurance. And I think how Volvo is like trying to introduce some kind of insurance option that can come with their vehicles. Mm -hmm. But what's odd is this is a quote. Take young people, even in the USA, but all over the world, it's hugely expensive for young people to get car insurance. Why? Because they're young. Not because they're bad drivers, because somebody somewhere has decided they're going to be a bad driver because they're young and they're inexperienced. Then you see people at 17 winning Wimbledon or the US Open. You think, actually, you know what? It shouldn't just be about age. Huh? So and then how does it end like that? Then it actually ends like this. So for me, that's a great example of where you can have opt-in services on that Volvo app. That has nothing okay. to do with another. Winning right? the winning Wimbledon, <laughs> where perhaps one out of one billion <laughs> human beings has the opportunity to do at any point in time in their life. 
has absolutely no relation to the actuarial tables that determine risk for drivers based on age and experience. This is the kind of stuff your CEO should not be saying (laughs) in a public forum because it doesn't make sense. He went on a tangent and then struggled to tie it in. It's a tangent (laughs) that somehow links to a product Volvo is trying to sell, but it just makes them look foolish, Yeah, to be honest. And we know maybe the people who are designing these cars at Volvo and planning them are not foolish. No. So I would rather have those people talking to the media instead of a CEO who is honestly just kind of free associating in this interview. But you know what? We've had other non-engineer sorts of people with... You can be a non-engineer and have experience in the automotive industry. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's, okay, that's what I'm talking about. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm not an engineer. Yeah. Neither are you. But you're not running any automotive uh, no, companies. but yet. arguably we're experts in our areas of the industry, at least enough to earn a living at it. And this person okay. is themselves trying to earn a living in the same industry at an even higher level than we are. <laughs> Dang, man. Uh, the good news is I saw that they have a concept for a mini, an electric minivan, and I can't wait to see that go take on the Volkswagen minibus. So yeah, well, there Sammy, we go. If that minibus could win Wimbledon... <laughs> That's really all I'm interested. That's all. Yes, absolutely. Right, because you had and would it get insurance if it could? So if if anyone else out there thinks that this Volvo thing is ridiculous or wants to talk about anything else that we've talked about today or wants to ask us questions about completely unrelated stuff, Sammy, how would they do that? I think the best plan of action is to go to the Unnamed Automotive website, which is unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. There's a contact form there. You just fill that out. And uh, whatever your comment is, your feedback, your question, it lands in our inbox. And we read it and we discuss it um, with each other off the pod before uh, springing it on each other during the pod. And then uh, that's that's the easiest way. Additionally, you can reach out to us on social media. You can find Ben on Instagram. That app or uh, service has not changed its name or anything like that. It is a fairly stable-seeming um, service. You can find him at Hunting Benjamin, Or you can find me on the constantly shifting world of Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Uh, additionally, you can just email us the old-fashioned way. Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com is the way to do it. Sammy, what are you going to be talking about next week? Do you have a car that you're going to be talking about? Or a, yeah, an- another the, auto show, perhaps? <laughs> I've got the um, – I've got a recently – I think it's the recently updated Hyundai Kona to drive. You think? <laughs> I, I think it's recently updated. I don't think it's just a refresh. Okay. I'm going to be talking about another Chevy truck, but it's the total opposite end of the spectrum. It's the – 2500? 2500 HD High Country. Wow. With the diesel engine. I can't wait to hear how <laughs> you went from one small truck to a big one. The next to the week. biggest truck. <laughs> <laughs> Wicked. You're going to want to listen to that. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about the many amazing features that come in a in a truck of that, of that uh, prestige. Yes. So um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.